The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! I think it should be a dangerous thing, uh, a live show. I think it should be sort of unpredictable for the people on stage and for the people watching. It's strange. I, I find it sort of as I'm walking to the stage that you sort of get a, a, a vibe, a frequency uh, from the crowd. It sort of says, oh, this, this feels like this crowd is in the key of A, you know. That, <laughs> is it literally the key of A or are you? I have no idea. I have no idea. I, might, I should take a meter with me maybe. Festivals where they're like a hundred feet away, and there's all that security, and it's very hard to connect. Like I, I, I don't really know what's going on out there. You never find the K. Yeah, not really. I, so I'm, I'm doing more guesswork as to well, I, I guess this should be the next song. I, I don't know. You know, you, you go in these waves of like, wait, now I got, I built it up to this. Okay, now trying to break it down into an acoustic, quiet thing. There's a nice thing to be able to play with the idea of exhausting an audience, just to exhaust the hell out of them and ourselves. That's a bad, that's a Kermit, it's <laughs> a Kermit please, please settle down now, we're going to read our book reports. I want, I want to read my book report. Okay, <laughs> all right, Larry the Cable <laughs> Child. Child? <laughs> Larry the Cable Child, would you like to, would you like to read your book report first?
the cable child, would you like to read your book report for the class, please? You know how they do you know how the tune goes? A spoonful of books in the eyeballs it goes. I don't know that one, but I don't want to read my book report either, cause ah, I just wanted to show my existence. Oh really, this is more of a continuity thing. I get it. Um would anyone more of an existential crisis. Okay. Um, uh, to- Tommy Cucumbers, would you be able to please uh, feed the class alligator, please? <laughs> hip, hip, yes, I'll feed the class alligator. I don't know what accent this is, but it's an accent of, of sorts, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Come here, Mr. Pickles. Good lord! No, dude! Oh my! Watch the nostrils! Watch out for the nostrils there! They're flared and aggressive! No one cares the nostrils that aggressive! We are going to stand up and do presentations of what we did on our summer vacations! I'd like to read my book report! Can we not with the cable twins? <laughs> Actually, there are other twin, they're triplet, I'm Barry the Cable Man. <laughs> Would someone other than the cable triplets like to tell the class? <laughs> I feel good, I'm his father. <laughs> this is nothing. <laughs> this, this is bad, but I don't have an apology for it. Welcome to the Third Men Podcast. <laughs> this is a Jack White history podcast, and I think that was supposed to be a summer vacation thing. Yeah, well, I'll do something with that in post. <laughs> Please don't. Just don't edit any of it. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky. And uh, once again, we've forgotten how to do this podcast. <laughs> but uh, as uh, James mentioned, we are a Jack White history podcast where we go over uh, Jack White music and movies and television and bands and oh so much, James. But today mm. we are going to be doing something we've done before on the show, but also never done before on the show. Oh, sounds intriguing, Paul. This week we are going to be going over... Some of the various Third Man Records and Jack White activities this summer that we have participated in, more specifically, I have participated in, in a show that is sort of an extended fell in love with a show that we just so happen to have so much material for, we decided to turn it into a whole episode And it's going to be, James, what I did on my summer vacation. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you what I did on my summer vacation, but I think it would bore our listeners to hear about my Grand Canyon trip. (laughs) Canyon. 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 I could tell them about the mower that I just lit on fire. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we're going to talk about a couple different shows and encounters that I had, and we're going to have uh, some some special guests on to help us out and tell their sides of the story as well. The thing that made us think, hey, we could turn this into an episode, is that I actually wound up meeting these people, and that's kind of what sets us apart from other sort of shows, so we thought we would detail them all here. I mean, really, James, in a lot of ways, it's kind of been the summer of Third Man, because Jack White is on his boarding house reach tour. He is going all over the world. This is the first time since the 2014-2015 album cycle that we have actually seen him out there 
and performing so regularly. And so the opportunity to see him multiple times in a year hasn't come around in quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Not only is Jack touring out there, but we also have Olivia Jean touring out there. Margot's still out there. I think Lily had just wrapped up her tour. We have William Tyler out there as a supporting act for Jack. So we've got all kinds of third man live activity and just so much to go through here. I found myself lucky enough to uh, sort of reach out and touch it uh, as it came around the West Coast here. And James, we already went over, you had seen this tour twice up to this point as well. Mm-hmm. Once in uh, Brooklyn at the Warsaw and once at the Omagong. Is it Omagong or Omagang? I, I always forget. Omagang. Omagang. In Cooperstown, New York. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, there's so much third man activity. We're going to go through it all here. There's a lot to go through, James. It's going to be very exciting. I'm getting the energy up. I'm having some coffee right now. Paul's having the coffee. I'm feeling excited about it. I've got gnats in my room. I've James has gnats in his room. I've got coffee existing in my cup. Yeah. I think the gnat landed in my coffee. <laughs> I'm excited. I can't wait to hear about what you did on your summer break. Thank you. I never talked to you. No. I had no idea. And then all of a sudden you brought child into world yeah. and I was like I wish I knew so that I could prepare but Yeah, child is in world. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Well, James, you're going to have to wait because before we get to all of that, is there something somebody has to tell? I think there might be, James. It's every single one's got a story to tell. Hooray. <laughs> Every single one's got a story to tell is when uh, you folks out there in the listening community go out and do something relating to Third Man Records or seeing a concert or meeting a person or doing something exciting. And then you come to us, you tell us, and then we tell everybody else. Yeah. Because we're gossips. Yeah, we're a couple of goss hounds. You're a goss, Paul. Oh, that's very good, James. It's good that Bart did that. It's very good. This Every Single One's Got a Story to Tell comes from Nick Langford, who dropped us a line to thank us for introducing him to Alison Mosshart, actually, which is really cool to hear. I love it when, well, Alison Mosshart's music. I think Mm -hmm. uh, that it's really, really cool when we are able to actually introduce somebody to some kind of music on this podcast. It's really, I don't know about you, James, but it's really cool whenever that happens. Indeed. And uh, it's always nice when somebody sent us a nice letter like that. It made me very happy that I was able to uh, introduce somebody to some music they hadn't heard before. His letter was very nice. Yeah. He hadn't heard The Kills before and was able to catch them when he went to go see Weezer with his father. At the same show, The Kills were also playing. Yeah, he went with his uh, his dad and his cousin, and um, they were all pretty darn excited. He says here, just quoting from the email, Jamie and Allison played a crazy good show. Have you guys noticed how weirdly intense Jamie's eye contact is with the audience? I have noticed that because he doesn't sing. Really? I mean, he harmonizes a little bit, and he, and he, I guess, I suppose he sings on occasion, but he, he is not the lead singer, and so often he is over there just doing guitar face, and I think I hyper-notice his body language and facial expressions because there's only two people in the group, so you're either <laughs> looking at Allison or looking at Jamie, and I got a, a, a second confession. 
sometimes I have to remember, oh yeah, Jamie's over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Allison's got quite the charisma yeah. on stage. She's she's definitely got that a character that she's playing up there, and it's very hard to get your eyes away from her. Yes, and it's funny that you uh, you put it like that, because in doing the research for an upcoming show about a Dead Weather album, hint, 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 tease, 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 uh, I was listening to a lot of interviews with the band and hearing Jack talk about her stage presence sounds exactly like how we describe her stage presence, which is she's kind of untouchable up there, really. I mean, she's Robert Plant, you know? She's uh, yeah. she's the living incarnation of rock and roll when she's out there on that stage. It is really hard to take your eyes away from her, which is something that's interesting about the dead weather because it's hard to eclipse Jack in that spotlight. And yet, she at the very least holds her own and at the very most does eclipse him mm-hmm. on occasion. Yeah. She's a fixating presence up there. It's hard when you got somebody like Jamie up there who is pretty stoic most of the time uh, to stand out. But I think it's a nice balance. It's a good balance. Yeah. So anyway, Nick goes on to say when he saw the kills here that they were front row. So Jamie was interacting with uh, them and the others in the front during the whole show. And uh, Nick says, I was grinning the entire time. At one point, Jamie looked down at me and grinned back, then slammed his low E string super hard. They played all their hits. Anyway, just wanted to say thanks. So thank you, Nick. Appreciate you writing in. And he's included some pictures here, which are super awesome. Indeed. If for any of you who have not checked out The Kills, please do so. Uh, their latest LP, which is now going on a few years old. I think it was released in 2015 or 2016. Ash and Ice. 16, I think. Yeah. It is amazing. It's really good. I think, personally, for my taste, I think it's their strongest album. But they've also put out some great singles uh, since then, including Reparations, which is a cover of a Saul Williams song. I want my money back. I'm down here drowning in your fat. You got me on my knees praying for everything you like. I ain't afraid of you. I'm just a victim of your fears You cower in your tower Praying that I'll disappear I got another plan When there requires me to stand On the stage or in the street Don't need no microphone or beat And when you hear the song If you ain't dead, sing along Bang a strum on these your drums Till you get where you belong I gotta listen to the bands love that Saul Williamson, but I think what they did with it is incredible. So for all of you who have not checked out the kills, hey, check them out. Give them a go. Give them a twirl. Yeah, what are you doing? At the very least, listen to Midnight Boom or Ash and Ice. Both of those are very good. Or Blood Pressures or No Wow. You know what? They're all really good. They are. And James, that has been Every Single One's Got a Story to Tell. James, what do you say? What do you say you you go with me on a trip down summer lane (laughs) of memory lane? Paul, I want you to vamp some kind of down the mine shaft. uh, (laughs) I want you all to come with me down summer lane where I I found a guy fishing. Okay, so... Uh, and I sound a little like Barack Obama. You you do. Um, uh, <laughs> so, James, I'm boarding the bus. Okay. To Summer Lane. All right. I'm going to need you to sit down, and we're going to get underway here. And our first stop is, of course, Arroyo Seco. Can you stop the bus real quick? I got to pee. 
Arroyo Seco is a music festival held here in Pasadena, California. It's the second annual, and during our best of episodes, you actually called in and interviewed me live from Arroyo Seco. The bathroom's locked. I'm just going to pee in this bush. Ten minutes. And then afterwards, uh, we came to the very logical decision that no one could hear anything I was saying. (laughs) It's true. So we did a little bit of a uh, recap of it, if you will. We'll get into and talk about it a little bit here, James, and uh, let's go ahead and do that now. What do you say? Sure. Back on the bus. Yes. I hear you're someplace special today. Yeah, I am reporting to you live from Arroyo Seco, the music festival for people who, you know, like to be in bed by 10 p.m. <laughs> uh, meaning which, it's a very laid-back festival out here in Pasadena, California. Well, you're our man on the street. Yeah. Paul, can you can you describe the feeling? Is it excitement for days? Is everybody <laughs> yelling and screaming? Everyone is extremely hot because there is precious little shade and precious abundance of sun. So there's like three main stages. Jack is going to be on the oak. And the oak will have a really cool triple threat for the evening. It'll have the pretenders followed by Jack into Neil Young. Different bands I want to see are on different stages. And so Margo, for instance, Margo Price, third band records recording artist Margo Price, is on like the furthest stage from the Jack stage. And they're on within 40 minutes of each other. So I think I'm just going to have to stake out my jack spot, you know? Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough call to make. So this has been Report 1. Yep. I will check back in uh, a little bit later. We have Tom Valenti. Say hi, Tom. Hey, what's up? And Aaron. Hey. So we're all here. We all just saw Jack. I can't hear you because I don't have my phone. here to the phone. But uh, impressions. It was awesome. Yeah, he came out and they were great. I think he had a lot of energy. Yeah, the crowd was into it. I feel like it was a really, really yeah. good show. That was amazing. Yeah. Offend in every way. Holy highball stepper. That's the coolest highball stepper I've ever heard in my life. Ended with Seven Nations. Uh, there was a lot of goodwill and drunk dads around me. Um, but the dads loved it. They ate it up. Are you still there? Yeah, no, I'm still here. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, so that's it. We're going to get some food and we're going to watch, as Jack put it, Uncle Neil. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for uh, checking us in and we will catch you back later. All right. Paul, you're back in the studio with uh, us. Uh, 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 I'm here. Uh, you're here. You you yeah. ran all the way home right afterwards. Uh-huh. It took you ten hours. Yeah. And boy are my arms tired, huh? Good one. I ran on my arms. I ran I did a handstand. <laughs> Paul did cartwheels all the way home. So you're back. Do you want to go a little more in depth? I mean, we could barely hear you when you were live out there. It was there was a lot of a lot of Jack fans, a lot of uh, <laughs> they were, you know, yeah. unreasonably loud. Most of the time, they're very quiet looking at their phones so much so that he yells yeah. at them. But today, right. they were yelling a lot, Paul. Do you want to go a little more in depth? Yeah, so we, we checked in the first time, and that's when I was like, oh, I'd like to see Margo and Bell and Sebastian. At a certain point, I was so baked into the sun that I was like, if I'm going through all this pain, I'm going to get a good spot to watch Jack, so I just abandoned my plans to see Margot and abandoned my plans to see Bell and Sebastian, and I 
was like, okay, I'm just determined to get as close to the stage as possible, and I'll just sit through other bands there and miss the other ones I wanted to see. So I saw Kamasi Washington. I think Kamasi Washington was the dude on the sax, and he had this gigantic afro, and he's wearing a preacher gown. And there was a guy with, I want to say it was either a cello or a stand-up bass, but he had some kind of pickup on it that made it sound like like a, a, an electric guitar. And the guy just stood there on this cello rocking out uh, for like a <laughs> long time. Anyway, so Kamasi Washington was really, really, really good. And then mm. at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to move up further. The Kamasi fans departed, and then that made room for the pretender nuts to get a little closer to the stage. So I was getting closer and closer to the stage the more the other bands dropped off. And uh, the pretenders were amazing. I know on the West Coast, you have different words for things, and Hollywood's right there. But here on the East Coast, we call them actors. <laughs> Uh, so please i was almost too tired to follow that train of thought but i actually i did and james i love the station it put me in <laughs> i really really had a good time with the pretenders they played for about an hour 15 or something and by that point the sun is still directly overhead and i am just exhausted and sweaty and tired but but when chrissy hine left the stage and jack's roadies came on with the fedoras and the mm-hmm. suspenders and the bow ties everyone started to get pumps and the pretendocrats started to filter away and then the big push of jackalites <laughs> surged forward and i was of course one of them and um i got pretty darn close to that stage i was a little further than i was at the mayan but i was about as close as i was at the mayan so like that just gives you an idea yeah i saw uh from the videos you took you were probably as close as i was during uh the amagang show that's pretty close not only that there was a sea of phones around you paul it, i know I it know. was it was everywhere i mean you you were one of them but that's okay <laughs> not long. You, you didn't do it long to speak to that i mean i was really paranoid because my phone was low on battery and i was like well this is the only time one of the few times anyone's going to be able to actually record with their phone at a Jack show this tour. Well, it's kind of funny. He, by doing this phone ban, whenever these festival appearances come up and people can use their phones, he's created kind of an inverse situation in which yes. everybody's like, this is the only chance we've got. Everybody, phones out. <laughs> and and every, Phones out, asses up. Yeah. Everybody is just black gadgeting Jack to death. Over there, he's, so many black gadgets. He's yeah. got the black gadget blues, and uh, you know what? I I understand. I do. I really do. Although you know, yonder, not bad. No, it wasn't. But I agree with you, Paul. It's nice to have the the memories yeah. every now and then. Yeah, it was seeming like a long time. And remember, my phone is dying, so I can't even use that. So I'm just staring at the gaggle of drunk dads in front of me. And one of the drunk dads had seen Jack a few times through whatever weird circumstance, and he kept going like. You gotta see him live, man. Like, we weren't all standing there about to see him. (laughs) He's gonna blow your mind. And he's wasted drunk. But it was fine, because he was having a good time. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I was surrounded by jerks. Like, it was kind of nice. And anyway, so 
they're setting up and setting up and setting up and then the audiovisual stuff comes up and I was like, oh, thank God, because I really wanted to be able to see that aspect of the tour, the um, video stuff. Yeah. What was really awesome was after standing there for about 40 minutes, a movie came on the screen with a 10 minute countdown clock. Like, you know, those numbers that flip down like on a yeah thing, like a an analog clock that that has the digital readout. Exactly. So that popped up on the screen in a recording studio type setting. Mm-hmm. And that was on all three of the screens. And so then everybody started to get really excited because then it was 10 minutes until show and it was clicking down and clocking down. And then every once in a while, you'd see a little head <laughs> pop in the side and then go away. It was like being online for a ride yeah. at like Universal or Disney or something. That the has line it. experience at, at Disney. Right. It was a line experience. That's what it was. And so then every once in a while, as it got a little closer, Jack would march across the screen and everybody would go nuts for a minute and then it would, <laughs> and it would die down. And then after we got to like minute six, Jack comes into the video, sits down at the monitor and watches the clock with you. <laughs> and then he lifts up his hands and he just starts f-ing with the numbers. And, like, clicking them faster down, like, so it's counting down really, really fast till it gets to, like, 10 seconds till the show. And then he clicked them back up again until it was, like, 20 minutes till the show. And then he's just messing with them with his hands again until it was about four minutes. And then he got up, gave you, like, a little impish smile into the camera and walked off again. (laughs) It was really cool. Like, after I saw that, all of the pain of being cooked like a piece of pork in the sun all of that melted away and i was in full-on i'm at a jack show mode mm-hmm. and it was like Fuck yeah. you know i was ready you know i had seen pictures of this and and heard people talking about it i'm very glad you got to see it i did not get this experience i'm very jealous you got the video screens because both shows i saw this tour did not have the video audio visual experience with it but uh, I'm glad you got to see it. I mean, you're going to see it again, yeah, which is good. I mean, I I can't believe that he wouldn't yes. do it for San Diego. Yeah, no, it's uh, I was I was really happy to see it because, and and I'll talk about this in a little more, more detail. But I mean, the gist of it is the audio visual experience at the St. Vincent shows I saw wound up enhancing the concert itself, mm-hmm. and the St. Vincent videos were all pre-recorded stuff, just weird visuals that hooked you into the song and like made you a little unnerved, like people in bondage gear walking around or something, but it was really cool. And it wasn't your traditional, like just the show up on a screen. It was like being in an interactive movie Mm. and Jack was part of it. So I actually like Jack's better than St. Vincent's and I loved St. Vincent's, but Jack's actually had an interactive element and I'll get to that in a minute. But so anyway, I have video online on our Facebook page of the final, I want to say 30 seconds of the clock and everybody getting really excited. Mm. And then when it ticks finally to zero. It went away and the blue spotlight went down and then uh, some loud sort of like sleazy music comes on. So then in walks 
Carla, in walks Dominic, in walks Neil, in walks Quincy. They start playing and they do their things and Carla takes off her slippers or whatever because she always plays drums barefoot. So then they started playing, and then and then yeah, Jack just saunters out. He's wearing the the numbered prisoner outfit thing that he had in all those SNL promo photos. Yeah, and he had circular like uh, John Lennon sunglasses. Mm-hmm really big on his head and he came out and then they jammed for a little while and then we went into over and over and over which was great it just sounded so good the biggest difference between this show and the mayan is being separated by like three months or so mm-hmm. jack's set was so much tighter light years tighter yeah way better yeah no he he got way more comfortable on stage yeah and all of the new songs sounded just infinitely better they were really tight they were really together surprise tracks that he went through it was all pretty standard fare but the one cool thing was that this show was extremely elephant heavy Mm. and lazaretto heavy and i was really happy about the lazaretto stuff because i love that album and we got to hear a lot from that record so over and over and over is great into lazaretto i love how this band plays lazaretto i just love it 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 sounded so good At a certain point in Lazaretto, he flung his hair around so much that his glasses went flying off his face, and um, <laughs> they just never appeared back on his head at all throughout the rest of the show. They were just gone at that point. But um, we had that into uh, Corporation, which was just like a jam. Like he just turned Corporation into a cool festival jam, which is what it should be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it wasn't like a major thing. It was just like a fun 
cool jam. Uh, Hotel Europa sounded fine. He's like, I know everybody out here has their Hotel California, but I have a Hotel Yorba. And then he played Hotel Yorba. <laughs> um, Boo. And then he did Canon, like a bit of Canon. And then Black Math, which I busted my phone out for Black Math because I still have the video from 2012 Blunderbuss Tour where he played Black Math on my phone. So I was like, oh, I have to have video of 2018 him playing Black Math. <laughs> and it sounded really good. Nice. like a buffalo is the usual stuff and then another cool one which i think you got to see at ama gang was my doorbell when he got on the drum kit well he did that with trash tongue talker for me but oh okay. uh, i saw in the video you had it was my doorbell it made my doorbell really rock and him and carla both doing those boom 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 mm-hmm. in unison and they gelled really nicely such a great doorbell black bat licorice again really stripped down kind of a festival jam version of black bat licorice mm-hmm. bluesy kind of less rap more like, like an r&b sort of thing love interruption which the drunk dad in front of me was stoked about <laughs> really really excited for love interruption we're gonna be friends was the point where he took off the jumper and he came and he sat down on one of the three white stands in front of the stage that they erected <laughs> And uh, he sat down just watching us, and then the uh, We're Gonna Be Friends kitty version started. put his hands over his face mm-hmm. and sang the whole song kind of with his hands over his face and the drunk dad was like why is he doing that and <laughs> but my interpretation of it was he was trying to get people to put down their phones since they couldn't take a video of his face maybe that's my interpretation of it i could be wrong he did that at the both the brooklyn show and at ama gang too he like uh during mineshaft he covered his eyes and was yeah you know covered his face up doing that and i remember he did it once or twice at Brooklyn, but uh, yeah, I mean, quite possibly. I know there were uh, quite a number of phones out and about. There were, but what was really especially cool about that, and you can see this in the photos, is that there was still daylight. Like, the sun was setting as he was on, so, like, the sun was going down. Mm -hmm. When he started his set, the sun was still, like, it was still light out, but by the end of the set, it was dark out. Mm -hmm. Behind him, and I got a picture of it, was just him sitting there, clear as a bell, and behind him was the mountains that I live under, here mm-hmm. because it's the same mountain range in Pasadena and so it was far out to see Jack 
and the mountains that signify home to me now. <laughs> yeah. I literally live 15 minutes from the Rose Bowl. So, like, I'm, I was, you know, I'm in the neighborhood. And so was Jack White playing these songs. And it was just, it was kind of a trip. After that was one of the surprise songs of the night. Although he didn't really play anything that surprising, honestly, which I was a little, eh, eh. yeah, not, not bummed about, a little disappointed. I wanted to hear some real wacky stuff, but Offend in Every Way was kind of a left field thing. And uh, it was great great cover of offend in every way the coolest thing like on a song level was highball stepper it was the best highball stepper i've ever heard he turned this thing into like a seven minute festival jam wow he tore out all the woo 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 woo, or put or like lowered them significantly and just turned it into like a long form like rock fest and they're all trading licks and it was like oh that's what highball stepper can be amazing because i love that song but those woos are a little up in the mix and so i find it kind of grating to hear a lot but it was amazing really good that song is it your favorite for that very reason it's funny hokey lafarge is playing 15 minutes away from here he's going to be at bethlehem and the steel stacks that i see like like you said the significance of seeing like something from home um right right but it's just wild to me that he's going to be just like 15 minutes away from my house i'm just like ah. <laughs> yeah come on over pokey i could bike ride there yeah yeah, yeah. well that was the plan right if i couldn't get tickets to arroyo seco the plan was to t- take my bike and ride in the canyon because you can mm-hmm. hear and see a little bit from the surrounding streets in the canyon because it's like the way the rose canyon. bowl is set up is like canyon <laughs> Canyon. Facts, Mike. I have this lamp brought in from Detroit. The way the Rose Bowl is set up is it's in this, it's in a canyon. So there's like mountains on either side and stuff. Canyon, 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 canyon. It only crossed my mind once that were a sniper thing to happen, it would be fairly easy for them to set up shop on one of those roads. But that only, (laughs) well, it's something you think about now because like you have to. Yeah, no, nowadays. Yeah. It only crossed my mind the one time. And by the time Jack was on the stage, it was out of my thoughts. But just to wrap up the sets here, uh, Ice Station Zebra sounded infinitely better than at the Mayan. Mm hmm. When that came on, that's when my neck started to hurt because I was rocking so hard. And I was just like, mm-hmm. it, I did like the you thing where you close your eyes and stuff. I was just like, I was in the zone for that one. Nice. Nice. <laughs> 
Connected by Love was really good, and you could hear a pin drop when they mm-hmm. slowed it down and went quiet. This is a big festival. You could hear a pin drop. No one said a damn word when he did that. What have I done? I've pushed away everyone. Mm-hmm. And then Steady As She Goes was nice. Uh, it was just sort of a jam-out version of it. Another one he doesn't play all that often, which I really love, is Hardest Button to Button. That sounded great. And he finished with Seven Nation Army. And a couple of the audiovisual things I want to point out here. He had a CGI town that was like Jack White logos on some of the taller skyscrapers for some of it. And it was like just going through this CGI Jack White town. Mm-hmm. One of them was in the graveyard from the Lazaretto cover, snow falling in slow-mo as you zoom in to the Lazaretto statue and stuff was one of them. Oh, nice. Did you see Johnny Depp took a picture in there? Yes, I did. I did see that. Yeah. I don't know what to think about that, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> And then Connected by Love had, like, hands that were cradling a galaxy. (laughs) (laughs) And then they would eventually, like, join to other hands and stuff. But the coolest one was, uh, listeners to our show will know the Seven Nation Army music video where the images are coming at you and then dissipate and are backed up by new images and it's just forever coming at you. Mm -hmm. They did that. Oh, wow. With Jack on the stage so the visuals you were seeing coming at you were the were live visuals oh wow that would come and then dissipate and then the ones behind would come and dissipate and then they would do that with the crowd so that you'd get the sea of faces like all live all people in the crowd wow coming at you and then more coming behind it i have a little video of that uh that i'm posting to the facebook page now so people will be able to see just a, a couple little snippets of it but that was impressive. That was like Mm-mm. the technology that exists to enable something like that is phenomenal. I don't play rock band anymore, but if I were to see a Jack White rock band, yeah. obviously I would buy it for obvious reasons, but right. I want it just for the video aspect that they would probably incorporate into it somehow, right. uh, much like they did with the Beatles rock band and Paul McCartney does with his shows. So that's all I'm thinking about now is just having that on the small screen or a DVD of, of this for my own personal audiovisual spectacular. I know <laughs> I would buy a Blu-ray or a DVD of just the visuals. Like they were cool. I don't know. I hope we get a live DVD or Blu-ray in the vault or something from this tour so that we can see some of those visuals. Cause they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and David Swanson or whoever took the photos, I assume it was Swanson, but it might not have been. Yeah, he did. You get a little sense of it flavor, but you have to really be there to like experience it fully. And, uh, and then Jack, uh, closed with seven nation and then said, um, they took a bow and he said, all right, everybody make sure you stick around for uncle Neil, <laughs> uh, referring to Neil Young, who was coming on after him. And then he said, you've all been California, and I've been Jack White. (laughs) Usually, oh, that's so good. Because usually he just says, you've all been wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, no. Nope. Nope. Little dig at California. I think he was a little mad about the phones, actually. (laughs) Wow. But yeah, and then he left, and then then I was like, oh, I'll stay for Neil. And then my knees were like, no, you won't. (laughs) And so I... uh, 
joined the exodus out and then i sat on the blanket for neil and uh you know i don't have to belabor that but uh they did have uh for for people who listen to the show uh, regularly and heard have heard me gush about particle kid micah nelson uh willie nelson's son who's aka particle kid yeah played everything is bullshit with neil oh wow uh, live and it was awesome because i was like hey i know that song and then we had a really, really sloppily drunk dad uh, trying to get everybody on their feet during Rockin' in the Free World. And he started, like, manhandled Tom Valenti, grabbed him by the arm, and was like, Come on, get up! Keep on rocking in the free world! It was like a scuffle was going to break out, so we left. But um, <laughs> And then just lastly here, I only used the Portageon once. But the story you guys told stuck in my head so much that I made sure it was locked. <laughs> and I actually, I remembered about halfway through my, my Portageon experience, and I was like, oh, God. And then I was like, no, what if it happens? <laughs> that's, uh, that's what happened there. So that was Arroyo Seco, and that was Jack White, and it was, he, it was great. I just had such a good time. Oh, Paul, I'm so glad you got to see him this soon. I know you were going to see him later on in the year, but uh, I'm glad you got to see him this soon. And I'm glad you joined me back in the studio. Paul, it's been real lonely. <laughs> I miss you. I need you back. Well, stick around. Please, I can't do this by myself anymore. <laughs> I've been feeding the fish. The dog's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> How are you? So, James, uh, that's been our discussion of Arroyo Seco. A really good time was had there. Was not able to hit all the bands I wanted to hit, although I will say one of the funniest moments, which we did not talk about, was the fact that after Robert Plant played, everyone in Arroyo Seco left the Kings of Leon alone there on the stage. <laughs> they must have felt like mere princes of Leon. <laughs> the poor kingdom of Leon was not present that day. No, but uh, hey, uh, if anyone is in the uh, is in the Southern California area, or you know, even if you want to give Kings of Leon a couple bucks <laughs> to help them out <laughs> next year, hey, this festival was a lot of fun. Nowhere else would I have seen Alanis Morissette and like Third Eye Blind and and Gary Clark Jr., who was who was a revelation. And so, anyway, it was it was a really great time. So our next venture here, James, we're going to get back on the bus. And we're going to move along to our next stop, which is going to be Ms. Olivia Jean. Oh, God, the bus is breaking down in the middle of the desert, Paul. James, next up on our tour of the summer of 2018, James, the summer of Third Man, we have... The summer of Paul. Yeah. (laughs) We have a close encounter with Ms. Olivia Jean. Ooh.
at the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles on Saturday, August 18th. It was a really, really interesting gig. I did not think I was going to be able to see Miss Olivia Jean because, as we've talked about, I just had a baby, and uh, we were juggling a lot of uh, family visits and... Juggaloing a lot of gatherings. Yeah, and we had some family in town, and I was not sure I was actually going to even be available to get out of the house on that Saturday night. So I didn't buy a ticket, and I just resound myself to not being able to go. And then the doors were at 8.30 on that Saturday, and the family had left by, I want to say, 8.18. And I said to myself, I said, Self, I could probably force this. So... (laughs) You could force yourself to stay awake. It's fine. Yeah. So very tired. I went online and yeah, tickets were still available. And I said, well, I have 12 minutes to get over there. Why not? Sure. So anyway, I I bought the ticket. It was quite inexpensive and arrived at this bar called the Bootleg Bar. And there was a live podcast taping happening in the uh, foyer area of the bar, let's call it. I was the only one arriving at that time. And I had, I was told by the bouncer who didn't care about my ticket to quote, shut the fuck up because <laughs> there was a podcast taping happening so somewhere on the internet there's you in the background of some podcast going, going on hey, the battle of Eugene. what do i give this ticket to where's olivia jean <laughs> yeah no details other than i was told to be quiet so so to the right was a side entrance to the bar area of this place and i went in and there was maybe five people there it was a pretty small affair. A small room about the size of sort of a, a large living room, I'd say, or I don't know, a small like elementary school classroom, something like that. Very small, mm. decorated with lots of kitschy sort of things. And so I thought, well, this is cozy and no one's here, uh, were my two thoughts. <laughs> but I did spot the trademark magenta and black pattern on the carpet in front of me. So I knew I was in the right place because that was clearly an Olivia Jean carpet because it was the colors of bathtub love killings. And I think I've seen that carpet elsewhere. So anyway, I just sort of hung around. I had my good camera on me and there was another fellow with a camera the size of mine next to me. <laughs> Did you measure him? No, we were, <laughs> we, were both, we were both sort of standing next to each other, like the paparazzi. And there was a person doing a sound check who I assumed was a roadie of some kind, because surely... There would be no openers at a bar this small for Olivia Jean. However, I did not read the ticket, as it turns out, at all. And uh, there was not one, but two opening acts for Ms. Olivia Jean that night. The first being one Ms. Modest Midas. Oh. (laughs) Who Who was so modest... He never played any music. (laughs) She was a singer, songwriter who wore a hat. And uh, the songs were very pleasant. I enjoyed them very much. In fact, one thing I noticed, James, and and this is, we'll get to this when we talk about the Viejas Arena show. That everything she touched turned to gold? Yeah, it was a real problem, actually. (laughs) 
For, <laughs> oh, the feedback alone, James. <laughs> um, she did a lot of the stuff I noticed William Tyler doing at the Viejas Arena, which was, there's a pedal, I guess, uh, I don't know what it's called, some musician somewhere will tell us on our Facebook page, I'm sure, where they do a lick, I don't know if you've seen this, but they do a lick, and then they sort of record the lick in real time, and then the lick plays on repeat yeah have you seen this yeah 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 i have reggie reggie watts does that a lot okay reggie watts musical accompaniment for the james gordon show is he really yes anyway (laughs) she did a lot of that which i noticed william tyler does and i don't think jack does it but he plays with effects in a similar way these days anyway she would do a lick she would put the lick on repeat and then go back in and sort of build on top of it and sort of layer in real time as you would Mm. recording a song but during a live set and it was all fine and charming and the songs were okay think the photographer the other photog as it was called um uh-huh. was her boyfriend or some sort of friend of some kind uh because he took a shitload of pictures of her and none of anything else <laughs> real midas touch <laughs> yes he was pretty attached to her so uh so those those were fine and then one of the songs had a lyric about i could be home in jersey sleeping on my couch at 33 or something that lyric stuck in my head and uh so after her set because this bar was uh empty i uh yeah. went up to the stage because <laughs> it was me and like five other people and i was like hey where in jersey <laughs> and she's just like franklin oh wow that's pretty close to where we were yeah it wasn't bad it wasn't bad so anyway uh that was modest midas after her she's like that fellow that looks like he belongs on a boat is up next and so one of the other five people in the crowd was a fellow named albert t hickman as it turns out who did the set after modest midas and yes he did look like he belonged on a boat oh good and it was him and another guy and they sang songs about drinking Uh uh-huh and he was very funny. He was uh, noticeably drunk, was talking about how he had been to some uh, outdoor festival in Echo Park earlier that day. I think it was Echo Park. And throughout his set, Albert T. Hickman kept looking at his guitarist going, was like, I think this is going pretty good. <laughs> you know? Like, it didn't have to, it, like, in the middle of songs... After the songs, before this, he would sometimes do a false start. Like, he would start playing and then stop and be like, guys, I think this is going pretty good. Uh, So this man ostensibly had a genie come to him (laughs) the day of and said, give me three wishes. And he said, I can give you one wish. And that's for me to have some pretty good guitar playing skills. It it was pretty good. And I guess my second wish is to be the second opener for (laughs) Olivia Jean. And my third wish is to have a bar that's modestly crowded so he got all his wishes i would say and he thinks it's going pretty good here's the beautiful thing i'm gonna play it right here i shot some video and he said i think this is going pretty good enough where in the video i shot he says it (laughs) you play it baby well i'm gonna go to california sleep out every night California, sleep out every night. 
bugs don't bite Skip the bad seasons All my friends like to get high I'm a gold Californian Sleep out every night Oh, it's going great, buddy Fantastic Albert T. Hickman wound up being great, and he sang a song called Cheap Beer, and it was about exactly what you think it's about. He did some cover songs, and I wound up finding him on Bandcamp and downloading a few of the tracks, and you know what? They're a lot of fun. Albert T. Hickman. Oh, good. You know what, Paul? I think this is going pretty good. <laughs> this is going pretty good. So after uh, I w- Two Franklins in New Jersey, by the way. There's Franklin okay. Township and Franklin. Franklin, which is she was probably referring to, is in North Jersey. Ugh. I think this is going pretty good. So anyway, it, it is around this time where he starts saying, hey, Olivia Jean's next. I think that's going to be pretty good. And... Um, <laughs> And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not just here for Albert T. Hickman and his dream boats or whatever. I'm here for Olivia Jean. <laughs> Meanwhile, the child is having a tantrum at home, and I'm getting texts from Susanna like, where are you? And the last thing I can tell her is, I think I'm with Albert T. Hickman. <laughs> and I think this is going pretty good. And I think it's going pretty good. So anyway, he, he finished his set. It was a lot of fun. And then Olivia Jean came on in a rush. Actually, before that, I talked to somebody, and this is true. I went up to him cold, and I said, hey, you. Bouncer man who yelled at me earlier. I had had a couple Stella Artois at this point. I said, hey, you. Mm-hmm. I remember you. And he said, excuse me? And I said, you were standing next to me at the Margot Price show at the Fonda. And he said, yes, I was. And then he punched you right in the face. (laughs) Uh, His name is Jeff. He is the fella with the large beard pictured next to me in the awesome photo of Margot on stage singing with the front row where you can see me. And he is literally to the left of me. And we wound up talking for a long time. Some concert buddies, James, you know how that goes. Oh, yeah. As it turns out, he was also at the Mayan I think he went to go see Jack at, at Santa Barbara, if I'm not mistaken. You guys are all over the place together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had been to a couple of the same shows. So that was pretty cool. We talked for a while and, and talked about Olivia Jean's music and Margot's stuff and Lily. And that was pretty neat. So at a certain point, I said to Jeff, I said, Jeff, hold on. Hey, Jeff, my new best friend. One moment. I want to go take a photo of Olivia Jean's drum head. And he went, great. By now, the bar is semi-packed with like 15 to 20 people. Okay. And I walk up to the drum head, and as I'm taking the photo, a gigantic wedge heel kicks in front of my face, and it's Ms. Olivia Jean's wedge heel. <laughs> and so there's a photo uh, that I'll post to our Facebook page. Actually, I already did post to our Facebook page of a ghost image of a wedge heel sort of <laughs> wafting in front of a drum head that says Olivia Jean. And that's, I didn't know she was standing there. I was just taking the picture. Paul yelled at her to move. Like, I'm trying to get a picture <laughs> of this drum head, yeah. please. Um, and so then I was just like, well, I'm already down here. So then I got up and completely cut in front of everyone else who had been in the, <laughs> who had been standing in front of me at the time. Oh, uh, All ten of them. You you really pulled the green honey creeper. I, on. I, I pulled the green honey creeper. So so I should point out there was a couple Olivia Jean heads in the crowd. Um, Were they beehive shoes? <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a couple dudes to my left who were deep in. They knew her catalog. Okay. As much as I did, very interested in Olivia Jean. We had Jeff, my concert buddy, also deep into Olivia Jean. And then there was a couple third-man 
couples there who were in, mm-hmm. who were there to soak up the ambiance of the Olivia Jean. And there was also a pair of goth girls who looked like they saw the black bells and were like, everything about this is amazing. One of them was wearing like a complete head to toe sort of fishnet base okay bodysuit onesie if you like with like jean shorts and a cut off shirt of the kills and just tons of mascara just mascara for days all over her like face yeah, or just, just everywhere just all over <laughs> <laughs> so there was very clearly a couple of third men people and i was of course standing there in my olivia jean shirt because i'm the guy at concerts who shows up with the name of the band on the shirt that's what i do it's who i am i, I it's too late to change it i'm not changing it until now. recently i thought that was perfectly normal i do it too <laughs> and people yeah. started telling me that it's not and i never understood why it wouldn't be a thing like right yeah, I'm here to see the people on my shirt. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Seems natural. Seems a little natural. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it's supernatural, James. We're both supernatural. Mm. We're ghouls. We're concert ghouls. Oh. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I wish we were back in Franklin, <laughs> New Jersey. I'm stuck on Frank. There's a picture of Franklin, New Jersey James on my screen right now. <laughs> Franklin. It seems to be famous for a shop, right? At least that's what Google thinks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Miss Miss Jean and these uh, strange uh, Lydia from uh, <laughs> Beetlejuice people <Yes>. here. <laughs> so the set was great. She uh, she did a set of uh, uh, Black Bells tunes. Killing songs. Uh, basically, she did everything I wanted from an Olivia Jean show. And I should point out for people who are maybe new to the podcast, I like Olivia Jean a lot. Uh, I know some people are lukewarm on the Olivia Jean. I kind of like her whole shtick. Bath of Love Killings, I think, is a really strong record. You know, it's it's sort of the the follow up in a lot of ways to Lazaretto. It's a a companion piece. We should do a sister album episode at some point because I think Bath of Love Killings, in a lot of ways, is a sister album to Lazaretto mm. from that era. All the same musicians, and I think she's a good songwriter. And uh, I think she's a good singer and a great player. And I like the Black Bells stuff, too. James, I know you like the Black Bells stuff a lot as well. Uh, yeah, I like the Bells a lot more than I like her solo stuff. However, I do like her solo stuff as well. Bathtub Love Killings was very good. I don't like it as much as you do, I think, but um, it's a solid album. Good background of music. I put it on at parties. It's a hit because people don't have to talk over it because she speaks very softly. She does. She does do that. <laughs> uh, anyone who wants to learn more about Olivia Jean can do so in episode five of the podcast, which we did a spotlight on Olivia Jean pretty early on, actually, in the show. So anyway, the set was pretty diverse. And the coolest thing about the set was that 
she played a lot of new songs. She played songs from her forthcoming album, As Yet to Be Titled, As Yet to Have a Release Date. surf rock kind of tunes which every time she introduced one of those she said here's another surf rock song <laughs> and then kicked into the surf rock thing which is fine you know i like i like surf rock so good you know good for her yeah we've known that this second surf rock album has been in the works for quite some time since her facebook and instagram page announced it oh 2016 i believe so <laughs> some time ago yeah been a minute uh so anyway the the set was wonderful and she also played a tom waits cover which she uh, emphasized had been played in front of mr tom waits at the jack white show when she opened for jack i want to say in santa barbara or in san francisco something like that and that was the story james we saw floating around where uh jack had said i assume in jest that tom waits had stolen his watch yeah he was definitely joking yeah for sure joking and these headlines are running rampant like jack white's watch stolen by tom then waits yeah. and it's like rolling stones grasping at straws to make something relevant people don't read past the headlines in a lot of cases what with today's millennials and their click 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 go to attitudes and their yeah. destruction of the housing markets or whatever the f- people are blaming us for now i hear they're um, destroying crescent rolls down with crescents up with cylinders i just cooked the whole cylinder <laughs> so really we're not really we're not destroying the brand we're, we're destroying we're more the like tradition. setting our ovens on fire <laughs> Um, I wonder, can we sidebar? I wonder what would happen if you stuck the cylinder of the crescent roll in the oven. Well, it might be the fastest dang way to get it to pop without a spoon, am I right? I think I said something relatable there, Paul. Speaking of crowdsourcing, I just went on setlist.fm and uh, no one has contributed to the bootleg theater setlist for Olivia Jean. Oh. So I will t- I will tell you she played Mistakes and she played um, Green Honey Creeper. You should just put those songs that you know. And yeah. It'll just well, seem she, like she played a couple. <laughs> she played Wishing Well. I don't think enough people were taking notes. Uh, she played Wishing Well and she played... Honestly, God, she played like most of the Black Bell songs. Anyway, they were all they were all great. She sounded awesome. She was moving around. I got a lot of great pictures, and I was I was mainly happy because I knew I was going to be able to get my good camera into this event because it said Bootleg Bar as the title of the yep. venue. 
So I knew there would not be a yonder pouch for this camera. I would be able to just sort of get it in and do my thing. And at a certain point, I just started taking flash photos because I'm pretty sure Modest Midas was walking around taking flash photos of her too. So I was like, well, if Modest Midas can do it, <laughs> if it's good enough for Modest Midas, it's good enough it's good for me. Enough for me. <laughs> yeah. So I got a lot of great pictures, and uh, it was, you know, a wonderful set. Actually, a perfect way to spend a Saturday night as my wife suffered at home uh, without me. Well, the cherry on top of that very depressing note you just said, you got to meet the band, did you not? Yeah, so right after the show, she's like, I'm going to be at the merch table. And I was like, oh, okay. So she started walking away, and I was like, I can't run. <laughs> That was my first thought. Don't run. But immediately turn around and walk all cool. Like, Well, here's the thing. I couldn't walk too quickly because no one else was making their way there. So I had to make a judgment call like, how fast can I walk to beat everyone there mm-hmm. without seeming like I'm going to go attack this person? The trick is run but run right into the bathroom like you have to go real real bad and then slam the door of the bathroom and then twirl around flush it about eight or nine times and be like ah pull a jim carrey say do not go in there (laughs) do not go in there um so anyway i was maybe four seven paces behind olivia g (laughs) (laughs) following her out of this room to the merch table and uh <laughs> and she sort of ducks into the dressing room. I head to the merge table, first in line. That's not true. There was one couple ahead of me that I think left a little early to get to the merge table. So I rude them. And then we waited for Olivia, and we waited, and I was thinking, like, Susanna is going to kill me. I have to leave right now. What's going to happen? I wasn't going to buy anything. And uh, anyway, so then the uh, guitarist, she makes her way out to the merch table, and the lead guitarist makes his way out. And so then they're sitting around, and we're waiting for Olivia Jean. And the guy said something to the effect of, I'm going to buy her a vape pen because she can't just go out and pound a bunch of cigarettes after the show. We have to sell merchandise. <laughs> he was thinking with his head, James, and that's what I like about this guy. and you could give her some of that famous mungo jerry vape juice yeah. the mango <laughs> right. cherry so while we were waiting for olivia jean to chain smoke i talked to the lead guitarist and i was saying oh are you on the new album and he's like yeah i'm on about half the tracks so i was like oh that's cool is jack producing again and he's like oh i don't know and he seemed to intimate that he enjoyed it and i asked him if he was on any other third man projects and he said not right now but i live in nashville and you know i'm hoping to try and do that which is pretty cool because if you go onto the official jack white live instagram and facebook you'll see him and the other members of olivia's band with olivia reunited in phoenix yes because as we'll get to in a moment both of their tour vans broke down so anyway i talked to him and then i talked to the uh, drummer who said the same thing and he was saying yeah i'm on about half the record and then <laughs> the uh, drummer goes to me he says uh would you get that shirt at uh, another gig or something <laughs> I was like, I actually got a, I got on the third man story. He's like, oh, okay. Finally, Olivia gets there, and uh, and I was the first to ask for a photo. So I, I got in there, and I had a photo exchange with the other girls. I was like, oh, can we do a photo exchange? They're like, yes. So I got my pictures, and then I talked to Olivia. I was like, when's the new album coming out? And she's like, oh, they're all really mad at me. <laughs> I was like, okay. But when's it coming out? She's like, I don't know, soon, something, I don't know. 
And um, I was like, okay, all right. And I was like, yeah, Dominic said he had a really good time playing on Bathtub Love Killings. You know, like, I really am looking forward to hearing the new record. She's like, oh, thank you. And it, it turned into like this little warm sort of exchange. I got the photo with the other couple and, and all was right with the world. But And then I sort of raced home as quickly as I could. And that was my encounter with Ms. Olivia Jean. James, that's how it went. Wow. What a town Franklin, New Jersey is. I am so <laughs> astounded by their Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> Paul, that's incredible. I am, um, I'm extremely jealous that you got to meet her and see her play. I mean, we both got to see her play live at, at the Merriweather Post Pavilion. She opened for Jack over there. That's right. But that's right. I, I'm very jealous you got to meet her and get a photo with her. And hopefully she'll come on the show at some point. She's got an open invitation if she'd like to come on. Yeah, that was that's great, Paul. That is indeed true. And as James mentioned, Olivia Jean's tour bus broke down on the way from the bootleg theater to Phoenix, their next gig, in Death Valley. And they were stranded there, stuck there for a while. By the time of this recording, they only just got out. And that is actually going to, James, tie into our next bit here, the Sandlot War, very directly. And you'll see why in just a moment, James. Okay, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Well, James... We learned a lot about Olivia Jean here, and we're happy that she wound up getting out of the desert. Yeah. Because that seems like a real sticky wicket. Yeah, a real dry sticky wicket. <laughs> and I'm glad that she was able to get back on tour with, with Jack and do some shows for the Phoenix crowds out there. By the way, whose bus also broke down. Right. And in the spirit of generosity, they decided to, to do some uh, collaborations on stage in Phoenix, so that was good. Yeah, we got William Tyler up there in Phoenix because of that, and I think I've just jinxed the Third Man band. It's possible, because, I mean, at the same time, I also went to Phoenix, and after I left Phoenix, that's when everybody broke down on their way to Phoenix. <laughs> they just really stopped breaking down. <laughs> but we should get... Get back on this bus. Yeah, get on the bus. Uh, because somebody planted a bomb on it, and <laughs> now we have to speed at 50 miles an hour, or else this show will explode. Well, James, I think we're from here going to take us out to the ball game. What do you say? Oh, uh, I've got my peanuts and Cracker Jacks, and also I'm stuck on this bus that's going 50 <laughs> miles an hour. So I don't know, I, I don't know how good... We can see that the bus has a radio, though, so we can listen to the baseball game. James, Jeff Daniels is on the case. He's going to solve this. Is that who started? We would like to welcome Melinda Taylor. Melinda, thank you so much for joining us on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it seems you've been pretty busy the past week, pretty much. You've seen Jack White not once, not twice, 
but thrice, and on top of that, got to interact with him on a more personal level at a baseball game. I did, I did. It's been quite a week. Yeah. Before we get into some of that stuff, do you want to just give us a, a really quick overview of how you became a fan and like what was your entry point record? Entry point record was White Blood Cells. Mm-hmm. Nice. It was late 2001. Cool. One of my best friends and I were going somewhere and she played a tape in the car and there was this song on it that stayed in my head and I kept going, ho, tally, ho, tally, ho. I had no idea what I was singing. And the next day she played me the whole record and that was White Blood Cells. Nice. That's great. And that was, I want to say November of 01 when I heard it for the first time and it was all over after that. <laughs> we came in at right around the same time. Oh, right. Cool. So similar entry points. So we had the awesome part of going backwards. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. And then pushing really far forward. So it's been it's been almost 17 years since I heard that album the first time. Oh, oh my God. I, oof, I can't believe it's been that long. Can't believe it, can you? No. Yeah. No, but there we are. <laughs> Did you follow Jack's work continually through the different projects? And if so, what's your sweet spot? Do you have like a favorite time period, favorite band? Ooh. Um, there, well, as far as favorite band, there, nothing will eclipse the White Stripes for me. Yeah. Okay. They were, they were, they were. Yeah. I, there's just no way to deny that without them, mm. I probably wouldn't be here today. Right. I absolutely loved the Raconteurs. I absolutely care very little for the dead weather with the exception <laughs> of a small handful of songs. Sure. And to me, that's kind of part of the brilliance of him. Mm. He can do so many different things and you can choose to either, you can take it and leave it. Mm. You know, there's no part of me that believes I need to love absolutely everything he does. Otherwise, I may not have made these three shows this last week yes. <laughs> because I am part of the contingency that found Boarding House Reach to not be of my personal taste. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't make me love him any less, but this is currently not my favorite period of his music. I will say that I was probably most enthralled during the Get Behind Me Satan period, which is very hey. surprising. No, you and I have that in common. That's my favorite Jack album. Yes, it really is. And what's weird is that... Some argue that, well, Boarding House Reach is different from Jack, but Get Behind Me statement was super, like, different for the White Stripes. Sure. The difference was I enjoyed the direction it went, whereas with BHR, I haven't enjoyed this direction. And that's where I've had to kind of put myself mentally, is mm -hmm. when he goes in a certain area, I don't always have to follow. Mm -hmm. Right. I can just enjoy what I enjoy. Oh, you mean no one is forcing you to listen to every record with a gun to your head? <laughs> no, they're not. I can pick and choose. You know, like I said, there's maybe three or four at most um, Dead Weather songs I like. And so probably not going to go pick up tickets to see them just because he's in the band. Not going to wait in line all day just because I might see him play the drums. <laughs> if I like it, I'm going to love it. If I don't, I'm going to leave it. You know, that's just the way it works. Sure. I think I could speak for... Paul, when I say that sort of opinion on not enjoying a record is very refreshing after we kind of are enthralled in the third man fandom. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of weirdness going on still to this day. Uh, so it's kind of nice to hear like, yeah, it's not my thing, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, at first it was, what the fudge is this? You know, <laughs> at first I was like really, I was betrayed and I was angry because he's going to put out this record and it's not going to have any songs on it that I like and what the heck. And well, I'm not going to go to any shows and I'm, oh, and then I realized to myself, still going to play old stuff, mm -hmm. still always going to put on 
one of the most brilliant live electro performances you will ever see. Mm. So just go and check it out. But what I didn't do was go bonkers and book a ton of shows with a ton of travel arrangements yeah. and spend a lot of money because I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah. And so I decided to be a little conservative. I'm doing a bunch of research right now on Sea of Cowards. And it's funny you talk about this because I'm remembering back very often recently to the Dead Weather days when they were still like, when we were still wondering are we going to get another White Stripes album? Are we going to mm-hmm. get another Rags album? J- Jack Solo hadn't even entered the picture yet. And it's funny to think back to those times and think like, yeah, not everyone was super into that. But he still came back with Blunderbuss and that re-engaged a lot of the White Stripes-y kind of crowd because that's a that's more like the next logical step for Mickey Thump, whereas Dead Weather is the next logical step from, I don't know, uh, Witchcraft or something. Uh, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. But... <laughs> But uh, I, I happen to, I like it, you know, and, and actually, well, James and I will get to this on a whole episode and stuff, but I, I wound up loving the dead weather or learning to love the dead weather, I think, more than I initially did. But I'm finding a similar experience with Boarding House Reach where I sort of had to learn to love it a little bit. And I would say this, I more appreciate it for what it's trying to do, although I admit it is not my favorite. I think of Jack Solo stuff, my favorite is still Lazaretto. But that's that's me. I'm going to do me. I- I think. Well, I'm going to say this because I initially thought Jesus Christ Blunderbust is his absolute masterpiece record. Mm. Mm. Like, masterpiece. Couldn't believe it. But as time has gone on, I have begun to favor Lazaretto as well. Yeah. I think the reason a lot of people get so angry and worked up when they hear a current Jack album that they don't like or a current Jack song or era that they don't like is because we're at a point in his career where it's possible this might be the last time we've heard what we do like from him. So there's a fear that we might not get anything new that we do like. So I think a lot of people are afraid that we'll never get anything new or current that'll be of interest. So I think a lot of the boarding house pushback had to do with that. I think you're really right there. And I still sometimes have a hard time with the truth Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to see Jack and Meg perform together ever again. Yeah, And it's been how long since they toured? 2007, I think, was the end of it all. They didn't announce for four years that it was over, even though we all knew it was over. Yeah, But I still have a hard time when I think about, I am never going to see that again. And that was the most perfect thing I've ever seen or experienced in my entire life. And it's really hard to say, I'm not going to do that again. But then as I got older, you know, I'm 41, growing up and thinking to myself, I don't want to do the same stuff I was doing X amount of years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Life is moving forward. I'm doing new things. Yeah. So when I start looking at, an, at a bigger picture, I realize that Jack has to feel the same way sometimes. And one of the things I've noticed, particular through these tours, because I read the set list every night, I read any review I can find on a show, I watch any video snip you can get, everything that's streamed live legally I've watched. Hmm. I have never seen Jack in 17 years look happier or more at ease on stage than he looks right now. So he is doing what he wants And he doesn't give a shit whether you like it or not. (laughs) And I'm kind of cool with that because that comes with, I think, age and maturity. And he has had so much pressure and expectation placed upon him by fans from all different walks of his career. So that's a pretty major thing for him to basically say, I'm going to noodle around on this record. And if you like it, like it. And if you don't, don't. Yeah. Yes. You know, but he is having so much fun. And I can't be mad at that. 
Yeah. That is the big difference. I think that's the actionable difference, like you say, between this and really any other tour with the exception of maybe the first Rax tour or the first Dead Weather tour where he was clearly having some fun. But And believe me, I'm happy he's happy. <laughs> All of that mm-hmm. is great. Well, Happy Jack makes more music. Yeah. Well, right, right. Well, the narrative has been, though, that the pain is what pushes him. And so I wonder if the change in narrative and the change in sound are going to continue to be hand in hand or what that's going to sound like on the next project. Yeah. Well, I think also some of that happiness might extend into what we're discussing on this particular episode is that he's much more physically active and has a Sandlot baseball team. Yes. And I think that has been nothing but pure joy for him. Like he's getting a dopamine hit every day, just being on tour with a baseball team. (laughs) Because he gets to go out and be a kid. Yeah, exactly. So despite all of the, everything he puts into his live show at night, he knows Mm -hmm. that every so often during these legs of the tour, he's going to catch a major league baseball game with his buds. Mm. And he might be able to put on a uniform and play first base and swing a bat. And I'm sure that has got to be a tremendous relief for him to just go out and have his kind of fun. Yeah. Without all this expectation around it. And I'm really happy he gets to have that. And that is a wonderful transition into the primary focus of our discussion here today, which is, of course, the Sandlot baseball game. Battle at the Beach, featuring the Warstick Woodsman. And we'll just give a really quick summary for people who don't know. Jack White is a co-owner, key investor in the Warstick Baseball Bat Company, along with Ben Jenkins, who is the founder, and Ian Kinsler, former Detroit Tiger. And he was just traded to the... He was traded to the Red Sox. So anyway, Jack, that's one of the things that's been so unusual about this tour. Now, in the Lazaretto tour, some baseball crept in there, because he started going to some games, and he started making his presence known in in various ways at baseball games of course there's that meme yeah he became a meme best meme ever (laughs) grumpy jack yeah one of my absolute favorites (laughs) so jack and baseball we're actually going to do a whole show on jack and baseball and and as listeners to the show know we interviewed ben jenkins last year and had a great time getting to know ben and the and the good people at warstick but right now we're gonna we're discussing battle at the beach was the the sandlot baseball game that Warstick put on for a charity event to raise money for uh, Native American issues, which I know is a cause that is very important to Ben Jenkins. We talked to him a little bit about that on our show. But uh, Melinda, how did you first hear about the game? Actually, I think you and I probably heard about it around the same time, or I heard about it because you heard about it. But give us a little background as to how you got to know this game was happening and how you got over there. Sure. So basically, I'm a member of this uh, very small Facebook group called the Thinking Persons Jack White Group, where... We definitely get a little wordy from time to time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a wonderful group, and James and I love it very much. Awesome group. I I absolutely love being able to talk with like-minded people who have more to say than just the basics. So anyway, so what happened was it was Monday morning, and I saw a post saying that somebody last night saw a flyer in Santa Barbara that Jack was playing a war stick benefit at 6 p.m. at Rio de Los Angeles. And I'm like, oh, my God, Jack's playing a benefit tonight in L.A.? Cool. I look it up. Ten miles from my house. Okay. Well, I had to go to work. 
And I think playing a benefit, I'm thinking playing guitar. The baseball part didn't even, even, didn't even hit me. And then another person chimed in on the group and said, it's actually at two o'clock mm-hmm. and it's a baseball game. And I'm like, oh, he's playing baseball. Oh, oh. and then I found the flyer. And I looked at the clock and I was working, I was at work, I work in Valencia, so it was about an hour away. (laughs) And I had a couple of projects I was working on. And I could not just say, I gotta go. These needed to be finished. And at 1247, the last piece of my, my final project came together. And I went to my boss and I'm just like, not feeling well, gotta go, see you later. And I raced down the five freeway like yeah. my hair was on fire. And I realized <laughs> if I don't get some sunblock and a hat, I'm not going to be able to hide the fact that I was outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I stopped off at my apartment, which was right on the way. Diabolical, by the way. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. So it was. <laughs> yes, I plotted well. So raced down, stopped at home, was in the house for less than six minutes, patted the cat, got the sunblock, picked up my baseball <laughs> hat, changed into comfy clothes, got back on the freeway, got to the park at 157, and there was nothing there to indicate that there was any form of event happening. So I'm like, oh, my God, am I at the wrong place? And like two minutes later, black SUV tinted windows comes up. And I'm like, okay. And I look, and then a team in war stick uniform gets out. And I'm like, okay, so I have to be at the right place. (laughs) So I get out of the car, and I start walking. And then I realize, oh, Jackson, that group of people. (laughs) So I hung back because here's my thing. I try to be super respectful of his space. So I have been lucky enough that I have gotten to meet him three times between 2002 and this week. And it's always my goal to be as polite and respectful of his space and time as possible. Sure. Even though the kid inside, he goes, you know, you can't help (laughs) but have internal squeeze when someone that you have that means that much to your life in general is in front of you. Yeah. So I waited about five minutes, and then I walked down, found the uh, baseball diamond where they were going to play their game. And as I walked up, he was standing there alone. Wow. So I had seen him talk to other people, and he stood was standing there alone. And I said, I don't think this is a bad time to go and say hey. So I just walked up and said, hey, great show in Bakersfield on Saturday. I stuck my hand out. We shook hands. He said, you were there. And I said, oh, yeah, it was a great show. And We just jibber-jabbered for a few minutes. I mean, it was, you know, we talked about the show. I told him, hey, I'll be in Vegas on Friday. I'm really looking forward to that. I was like, that crowd in Bakersfield was great, huh? And he said, yeah, the sound on the stage was really reverby, but the crowd was incredible. And I said, you sounded really good out in the theater. So that's, you know, that's a good thing. And um, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I talked about, like I mentioned, I was heading to Vegas. And I said to him, this is not exactly how I expected my Monday to go. And he (laughs) was like, oh, and I said... Yeah, I was not expecting to come down here and uh, watch you play baseball. I was at work, and I literally just said, oh, I'm sick. I got to go and <laughs> race down here. And I said, so this will be really fun. And and just said, yeah, okay, I'll just let you let you go have a good game. And I just walked away and found a bleacher to sat on and sit down on, and that was that, you know. Oh. You think in the moment, like I think of – I was just thinking of all these other things I could have said to him or asked him or whatever. Yeah. But in, in the end – He's a dude ready to play baseball. Yes. He creates all of this mythology around himself and all of this stuff. But in the end, he's a human being just like me. 
Mm-hmm. He's he works just like me. He pays bills just like me. Granted, they're much different. <laughs> yeah. But what yeah. I'm saying is, he was on his off day. Obviously, he expected that there would be some fans that would come because Warstick advertises as Jack White is playing. But right. the crowd was incredibly small. Everybody seemed super, super respectful, and it was a riot to just watch him play baseball. Like I could, it just never occurred to me. That's a great transition into where my part of this story picks up. So, you and the people in the Thinking Persons Jack White group were having this exchange, and I remember seeing you and Callie talk about, oh, what, well, what does a grown woman say to her boss or something about having to go <laughs> home? I, 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 I just sort of, I was, I, just to give some background here, I, I have a brand new daughter. She's Gosh, she's only five weeks old, and so oh my we, gosh. Have, we have we have a lot of family in town and um, a lot of things going on, and so I was just sort of half paying attention to Facebook, and I saw that exchange. Anyway, I was actually on my way to go pick up her birth certificate in Pasadena, so I'm, I'm like, I didn't know what people were talking about. I just sort of saw it pop up, and for some reason, I didn't dig deeper, and then I was on my way out to the car, and I just for some reason was still checking Facebook and I saw Warstick Woodsman and I saw that flyer and I was like, holy shit. And then I looked up where Rio de Los Angeles was. and I was like, that's five miles from my apartment. (laughs) I was literally walking to the car and I just so happened to have my good camera in the car because I had been at the Olivia Jean show the night before and I still had my camera in there. So I was like, oh my God. So I called my wife from the road. I was like, uh, uh, I'm so sorry, but, uh, uh, and she's like, is it a Jack White thing? And I was like, yeah, she's like, just go, just go. (laughs) So I was like, I was like, thank you. Bye. And as it turns out, that baseball field is right next to the school where my wife taught animation to high school kids last year. So I parked there and the place is barren. Like you said, like I had, you know, I got, I must've got there at 220, something like that. I couldn't see where anything was, so I decided to just take my camera and kind of walk around like a creeper. And I saw some people playing ball, and I was like, oh, there's some people playing ball. Those don't look like the war stick uniforms, because I'm a weirdo and know what those look like. (laughs) And as I got closer, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's definitely them. Okay. And then walking up to bat was Jack White. And I was like, oh, my God, there he is. And you have that moment. Melinda, you said you met him a few times. I'm sure you can relate. You have that moment where you're like, oh, there he is. He's just standing there mm-hmm. like a like, like a person, you know, like like you and me. Yeah. He stepped up to bat. And so I got out my camera and I started just taking a flurry of pictures because um, I just got this brand new camera to take photos of my daughter. <laughs> yeah, good excuse. <laughs> I, I promise. I promise. Yeah, he went up to the camera salesman and he's like, I'm really sick. I have to go. Uh, Can I take the camera? (laughs) So I started just taking a bunch of pictures and uh, and I started investigating the area. And there was, uh, by the time I got there, there was a mariachi band playing. Mm -hmm. And there was a DJ table set up behind the cage behind Home Plate. There was sort of the ones and twos with Third Man Records. uh, uh, Oh, Slipmat? Yeah, Slipmats. Oh, the Slipmats, yeah. Oh. So I saw the third man slip mats, and I was like, I am definitely in the right place. And I talked to the lady at the uh, counter for the war stick thing. I was like, oh, is Ben Jenkins here? She's like, yeah, yeah, he's right over there. I was like, oh, oh, okay. And so then I was like, okay, I'm at a very sparsely populated event. Mm-hmm. And I know two people at least over the phone, because we also interviewed Dominic Davis. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if I'm going to meet Jack, 
today's that day. And I had all these thoughts in my head of, oh, we'll go out to the bar and all all this stuff. (laughs) Um, But I was like, oh, my God. And there was Jack and there was Ben Jenkins who got up to bat. I took all these pictures and Jack was playing first base which shocked the hell out of me because I would have thought for sure third base but no first base (laughs) and I'm the immature woman who kept thinking of all of these fabulous first base jokes I wanted to make (laughs) (laughs) but anyway I was sitting on the bleachers it was so weird and now Melinda I know you were actually behind me at a certain point because you showed me a picture that you had taken that has my ear in it yes and I only (laughs) noticed it because of the color shirt you were wearing Yeah. Um, yeah I didn't realized there was I've never been to baseball before so I didn't realize there was a certain side you were supposed to sit if there was a team you were with I was looking for yeah. shade and so I was sat on the farm league side <laughs> on the, the other side yeah and I just sat there watch but you also had a killer view of first base right right so um that was kind of fun but I because I was wondering I can't believe there are no other Jack fans here because everyone I was sitting with were wearing Warstick stuff they were girlfriends sure. and people who work for Warstick so I was like yeah. I'm the only fan here Holy crap, how did that happen? <laughs> but yeah, and I stayed there. I saw a couple other, I think I saw maybe four or five, again, in the shade. Mm-hmm. And I could only tell they were fans because they had the tour shirts on from Boarding mm-hmm. House Reach. And I was incognito, you know, I, uh-huh. was, I was in my dad gear. Yep. <laughs> it's so funny because I did notice that the smart people found shade. Now, I had not planned to be spending the day out. I did not get a chance to uh, to kiss the cat and grab a hat because I was already <laughs> on my way to the car. And so I just completely baked. Oh, man. I wish you would have asked. I had tons of sunblock with me. <laughs> <laughs> I spent the time, like, thinking about, okay, well, how am I going to finagle this? Because, like, Ben seemed kind of in the zone. And, and at a certain point, actually, Bosch, the Native American fellow that Ben Jenkins is friends with that we talked about when we interviewed Ben was there and he was actually sitting behind me on the bleachers. Oh, cool. And so Ben was hanging out with Dosh and I was like, "Ah, I don't really want to bother them. They look like they're having, you know, I don't want to go over like, who am I? You know, I don't want to do that. And then I saw Dominic and I went over and shook Dominic's hand. I was like, oh, it's me. It's Paul from the podcast. And he said, oh, hey, you know, I heard Ben did one of those things. I was like, yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Didn't Tosh had something to do with the scalped TV series? Or am I thinking of someone else? Yes. He was a consultant on the TV series. And I was trying desperately to think of that when I was sitting there. And by the time I had remembered, he had already gone into the dugout with the rest of the team. There's your in. I know. That was my in. That was my in. Melinda, I don't know if you experienced this too, but the thing that surprised me the most about Jack, well, there was two things. One, he's a pretty good baseball player. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was, is that he trash talks everyone. Uh, (laughs) He was trash talking the opposition. He was trash talking his own team. Did you experience any of this? See, I didn't hear any of this trash tongue talking. (laughs) Because I was over on the other side and so I saw him when he was in the dugout kind of yelling stuff but had no con- no idea of what he was saying yeah. so and he wasn't really talking too much when he was on first base or when he was at bat so I didn't really hear any of this so I'm kind of bummed that I stayed where I was because it sounds like I missed the fun a couple highlights from the trash talking um, when Ian Montone his manager was uh, taking a phone call instead of taking his place out of the field Jack called out do you think you could manage to get out onto the field <laughs> 
which was really, really funny. He was calling Lalo Lalito. Uh, when he went up to bat. He's like, <laughs> yo, Lalito. Cute. And he, he kept like, saying it like he was saying, like, swing bada, you know, mm-hmm. which is funny. And there was a kid in front of me, and I don't know who he was, but he clearly knew Jack because he was standing there. And when Jack saw him, Jack was like, his face lit up and all that. The kid was wearing a Pinky and the Brain shirt, and Jack goes... Hey, I gotta get me one of them Pinky and the Brain shirts, man. That's Orson Welles, man. <laughs> now, as Mr. Pinky's campaign manager, there are a few things we require. A private plane, a state-of-the-art war room, and five-star hotel accommodations. We got a bus. It was like everything I had ever seen, every interview, everything about Jack White was standing there in front of me, ex- acting exactly as I thought he would act. Just being, going a mile a minute, commenting on everything, had a had a quip for everyone. He was just on, you know, he was on and he looked happy and it was just, it was a really, like, fun afternoon and the, the team played well, you know. The happy part is what really got me too, because he was was even when I approached him, he was super smiley, polite, um, didn't seem bothered to have a small conversation with someone who was obviously a fan. And then when I watched him on the field playing, you know, when they started warming up and then during the mariachi band playing the Mexican national anthem, I mean, it was, he just looked so happy. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, Paul called me during this. Uh, I was not able to pick up at work and then Paul had texted me that he's next to Jack White, so I immediately got out of the meeting that I was in and called Paul. <laughs> and um, I love that our dedication lies in the right place. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, Paul, all Paul said was, "Yeah, I'm next to him. I can't really talk right now. I'll call you after it's done." He's like, "But Jack is like trash talking everybody." I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, you hear that?" And I'm like. That's Jack White. And Paul's like, yeah, yeah, that's him in the back. I'm like, that's Jack White. I could hear him over the phone on my speakers. Um, yeah. And then Paul left me, and uh, I had to go back to that meeting. And I'm sorry, James. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Sort of transitioning into the, the other part of this, what had happened was I saw there was a, a young lady and a, who had a baby, and she walked over to the dugout, and she got Jack's attention and just sort of said, hi or whatever exchanged pleasantries and asked if she could get a picture and they went round to the other side of the dugout she got her picture with jack and the baby and then she left and so once i saw that i said okay that's what i'll do because i also knew i had to leave because the place that the birth certificate was going to be available in was closing at five o'clock so i had to get over there and it was like four I don't know, 4 or 15. So at a certain point before that, I did sort of talk to Dominic again. And I sort of said my last goodbyes to Dominic. And I was like, hey, I'm going to head out. It was good seeing you, though. And then we actually talked for a little while about the podcast. And he's like, yeah, you know, whenever somebody asks me about these things, I tell him, yeah, go do it. So I was like, oh, that's really cool of you. You know? Oh, nice. It was really nice. Could you talk to your boss about that, please, Dominic? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I told him, like, yeah, we interviewed Mick Collins. And um, I told him about the Comalina interview and stuff like that and that was fun you know i i in the back of my mind take 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 is playing the whole time you know so you did you read how i wrote about that as well yeah i did yeah i saw you and yvette both mention that yeah i'm that's why i'm super duper uber sensitive about asking for anything at all other than a quick moment of time (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah 
And then I yeah, saw well, your that, selfie that, with him, and I was so angry at myself, I wanted to scream. That song does play in my mind, but I, I saw that other lady do it. You could have gone home and gotten your baby, though. Yeah, That's true. Yep. <laughs> but finally, I was just like, okay, he was like, he was about to get up to the plate, and I was like, I have to leave. It's literally now or never. So I walked up to the fence where he was, and I was like... Hey, Jack, how's it going? I was hoping I'd get a quick photo with you, if that's all right. And he's like, yeah, sure, sure, yeah, that's cool. And he's, he's putting on his batting gloves, and he's like, um, did you do it through the fence, though? I'm up to bat. I'm up to bat soon. I'm on deck. And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, cool, we're in business. I was like, fantastic. <laughs> so he's putting, on his, he's putting on his gloves. I'm fumbling with my phone. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I heard the Santa Barbara shows were great. How were the crowds? He's like, oh, yeah, they were awesome. They were awesome. I was like, cool, cool. Uh, I heard Olivia broke down in the desert. What's how, is she getting out? And he's like, yeah, your tour bus broke down, man. I was like, yeah, I know, tour bus. And it was it was just this cool little exchange. And then I was like, uh, well, you know, I'm gonna go see you in San Diego. I'm really looking forward to it. And we got the photo. And I was like, thanks a lot, brother. And he's like, cool. And then he walked up to bat. Wow. I got my picture, and he was really nice, smiley. He was cool about it. That's an interesting point that you say not annoyed because my impression is always that. We are an annoyance to him. And a lot of that came from take, take, take. But the thing is, he wrote that, if you think about going back to when he wrote that song, it was after a period where he was in a relationship with a movie star. Mm -hmm. So he became a commodity as opposed to a human being during that time Mm -hmm. frame. And I think that probably left a major impression on him. Now, he's never sat down and told me that, but... If you know enough about his life and his experiences with what fame kind of did to him, after that first meeting in 2002, that was white blood cells. That was pre-elephant. Those were the glory days, man. He came out after the show in (laughs) Toronto. He made sure everybody got everything they needed signed and done before he hopped into the hoopty van that Whirlwind Heat had driven him from Detroit in. You know what I mean? So it was like, everybody good? Have y'all got everything you need? Is everything signed? Can I head out? So that was the Jack I met the first time. The second time was 2013. I was at a Pokey Lafarge show at the Echo, Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting with my husband by the merch table, and all of a sudden, I recognize the figure in front of me. And I grab my husband's leg, and he's like, ah, what the hell? (laughs) And so the inner part of me lost my shit because it wasn't a show where I would have expected to see him or the baseball game or anything. But, you know, when I ended up bumping into him a little bit later, I just said, hey, man, it's been 10 years since I last shook your hand. Reached out, shook his hand, said thanks for everything you do. And he was with Carla at the time, and they walked one way and I walked the other way. But again, I saw people in the crowd taking selfies with him. And I thought, oh, do you people not understand how uncouth that is? (laughs) (laughs) You people are totally absurd. You know, like there's this part of me that was like, how dare you do such a thing? But yeah, I mean, I have always kind of been under the impression since post-Elephant, that time frame, he's been far less accessible to his fans than he was before and that he preferred it that way. So when I had this experience with him, there was some nervousness. Yeah. But there was also like an absolute delight that he was just so accommodating and so willing to just sit there and have a few minute chat with me. It made me realize, you know, again, the Jack that he portrays himself to be, (laughs) the myth, the man, the legend that is kind of out there is so different from the person that exists in the reality. Mm -hmm. And I think in order to really understand that piece of him, 
you have to be kind of on our level where we are almost obsessively interested in the things and the information and knowing the things about him. Certainly things that a casual fan wouldn't really grasp. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was a really unique experience that at the baseball game. It will be one that I will never, ever forget. I think the important thing to remember is to not be the subject matter that he's talking about in It's oh, yeah. My Fault for Being Famous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Specifically, like, you don't want to be the person to ask for the photo and keep asking for, well, it's Take, Take, Take. I mean, it's it's My Fault for Being Famous is basically the sequel to Take, 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 I guess, which ends in violence. When I made the decision that I was going to do that, it was based on a couple factors. The first factor was I did not think I was going to get another shot at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also saw somebody else do it successfully, and I waited a good amount of time between that stretch. As soon as I saw her walk over, I did see a couple fans sort of also head that way in the hopes of getting one too. And I didn't follow because I was like, I don't want to do that sort of tack on thing. But then it also looked like he was in a good mood. And if he had said, nah, I have to go to bat, that would have been the end of it. But I was like, there's no harm in asking. And I think he's at a point in his career right now where he's probably cooler with the fan community than he was. I think you're really right about that. The fan community's been sustaining Third Man Records, and I think he's aware of that. And, like, The Vault, for instance. The Vault is a direct conversation with the fan community. Right. Uh, So I made the estimation in that moment. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. But I think you're absolutely right. There was a time and a place where that would not have been couth. (laughs) That would not have been cool. Yeah. But I just, I, I made a call and I'm happy I did. Yeah, like, I also think about what you guys do and sort of wish he knew you because you uh, listen i've only just ever listened to my first podcast like a week ago and it was a joe rogan experience (laughs) so i'm new to this podcast stuff so my husband's gonna have to help me try to figure out how to put your podcast on my phone so i can listen to it in the car (laughs) (laughs) but it's like with the amount of work research and everything you guys do to go to dig deeper and to share your love of third man and all things surrounding it with the fan community is major. I mean, I can't imagine how, I mean, you know, you were just talking about the research you're doing on Sea of Cowards and all I was thinking was, well, who wants to research that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, but, but you know what I mean? It's like you're taking so much of your own time and your own energy to share with so many people something that A, you have passion for and B, I think if he really had the opportunity, he would super, super understand and be really appreciative of. So part of me wants to be like, dude, don't you know you met Paul from the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, we really appreciate the kind words and, uh, and and thank you for that. And we, of course, hope to, hope to interview him someday, but we're just happy getting to know the world and getting to know fans such as yourself and getting to know these other great musicians, Third Man has been such a, a doorway into so much other music for me. If I've got nothing else from this podcast, other than being able to spend more time with my brother and inter- and getting to know the fan community, it's been like, wow, I've had the privilege of learning so much more about music just because one path takes you to another, takes you to another, takes you to another. So mm-hmm. he's the ultimate rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because once you head down there, there are so many little funny little paths you can take. Right, right. And what's great about it is you'll love some and you'll hate some. 
and it's all good because you always find stuff you love. And it's taken us into baseball, which is yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. so that I mean, just to wrap up there, that was after I got the photo, I booked it and I made it and I got the birth certificate. Everything is fine, and I didn't get into a car accident somehow because I was thinking about absolutely nothing else but the fact that I just met Jack White. <laughs> I think I left somewhere around the sixth inning or so. Now I think you said offline that you had uh, left somewhere around the eighth. Is that right? I left right around the eighth. So I left. I think you left earlier than you think you did because I left a little after four, and that was the eighth. Okay, that's when I took off. I had um, done this in such a hurry that I didn't have lunch, didn't have anything, and I'm diabetic, and I had taken my insulin in the morning, expecting to have lunch in the afternoon, and I started going like, uh-oh, <laughs> I could tell my blood sugar was low. Yeah. I had to go, otherwise I was going to collapse, and it was going to be a calamity. Right. So, didn't want to do that in front of that crowd. <laughs> right, right, right. But I did talk to some people who were there at the very end, and I guess at the very end of the game, the fans lined up, and he signed anything they needed, but they said, hey guys, we got to get ready for the Dodgers game, so he doesn't really have time to do photos, but if you need anything signed. Wow. And he did, and it was very nice. Nice. I talked to a gal who didn't get there until the eighth inning. Wow. We're running a little over here, but I want to talk very briefly. Do you have some highlights for us from Bakersfield and from Las Vegas? Because you've seen this tour now a few times. Three. So three times. Can you give us some highlights? Uh, give us a brief overview of the different shows? Absolutely, I can. Bakersfield was the first show. I personally have not been in love with a lot of what I've seen live mm -hmm. um, with this mm -hmm. particular band. Lazaretto, that band to me was the most perfect. Yeah. I was like, eh, you know, but it'll be fine. I th think Carla and Dominic are great. I didn't know what the keys really brought anything. I was proven wrong. They're a great band. They work really well together. I still prefer the sounds and the tones of having things like the pedal steel and the mandolin and the fiddle. And I miss Lily Mae's vocals. Me incredibly too. Good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Us too. Really miss, really miss that period. We had a spirited debate with Kelly Durga about that, and uh... oh, I'm sure you would have because she has, yeah, she has, she has her opinions on that. Um, but I absolutely love what Lily brought. Uh, Me too. To the sounds of the music, both with her her fiddle playing and in her vocals. Mm -hmm. But but Bakersfield was fun. I had a lot of fun at Bakersfield. He didn't play Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, which for me is absolute heresy. <laughs> I don't know how you don't play that live. Yes, I know you have more famous songs. He didn't play Old Deddy? Paul's been trying to make the phrase Old Deddy happen in, in terms of <laughs> Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground. Old Deddy? It, it's not going to happen. Oh, my gosh. It's a bad, it's a bad. Why name. didn't you play Old Deddy? No, you know, so I was really <laughs> peeved that I didn't get that. And I was like, that's it. I'm canceling Vegas. <laughs> oh, no. So, not really, but... Not really, but what I what it actually did was it really kind of lit a fire under my ass going, oh, I need to see this some more. So I'd already had tickets for Vegas for the Friday night show mm. with early entry. Oh, nice, nice. Our plan was we were driving up to Vegas late Thursday night after work, and I'd go to the show Friday. My husband is a really sensible guy, mm -hmm. and calling in sick is not something that he does. Mm -hmm. I decided to ask him, instead of driving up late for Vegas, why don't you call in sick and I'll work a half day and we'll go early? And he's like, yeah, we could do that. There you go. You know, he kind of thought about it. He doesn't like to do that. Yeah. About two hours later, I realized, if we go to Vegas early, I can see Jack Thursday night. <laughs> that was never my initial motive. <laughs> but then I, and then I couldn't let it go. So I bought a ticket yeah. for Thursday night. Diabetes. 
diabolical. Yep. And so we and I we stayed at the Cosmopolitan, which is where he played. So was really furious to find out that there was a second opening band because that's just too much time. Um, but it was Olivia Jean, so that was that was okay. I was happy I haven't seen her yet. I was in Bakersfield the night she played in L.A. Mm. So Vegas night one happened. Jack was on fire throughout the whole night. Yeah. He, I was saying, like, it was like he was drinking jet fuel. Yeah. He was just uncontainable on the stage. There wasn't anything particularly glorious in the set list mm-hmm. that night, but his versions of Steady As She Goes and Iggy Thump nearly blew the roof off the place. Yeah. Nice. Friday's show was entirely different. Friday, I had early entry. I just wrote a 3,500-word review of it and posted it to the Thinking Persons group. Oh, cool. So I'll try to keep this under 3,500 words. (laughs) I'm going to say four things right now. Okay. I'm going to say, Hotel Yorba, we are going to be friends, offend in every way, and same boy you've always known. We got four songs from White Blood Cells. Wow, nice. Not only that... He ended the set with Carolina Drama, which is one of my all-time favorite songs. Yeah. We got Hardest Button to Button in the Encore. Great. And I was in the front row for the whole thing. Nice. Wow. And That's it awesome. it was the show last night, not last night, to, uh, Friday night, it was like epic, biblical epic. That's awesome. There's a very little words to explain, but I managed to write 3,500 of them. Um, <laughs> and it was, that was one of the, I would say the best show I've ever seen in my entire life was July 2005, the White Stripes playing at the Glass House in Pomona. Wow. I got in line at 4 a.m. for that show. They opened the doors at 7. Jack and Meg went on at 8, played for two full hours. Wow. At the end of that night, Jack reached down and handed me his guitar pick whoa wow that was a that was a sweet night well here i am i'm a pretty big girl right and i had red hair it was all (laughs) curled and i wore all white i was like the red-headed bride and i just was like i was that was like this existential experience where my whole body was just flailing around and going absolutely nuts so he must have looked at me and been like she deserves a pick (laughs) but anyway but 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 vegas night night two of vegas is probably one of the best shows I've ever seen. I suppose for me, that could be because he played my jams. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When you have someone you've been a fan of for so long whose music career spans three bands, three solo albums, a bunch of side, you know, little side things he's done in 20 years, you're not likely always going to hear your favorite stuff. Right. But for some reason, it all came in. So same boy and then Carolina drama did me in. I was done. That's it. Just. Yeah. So anyway, so my definite highlights. (laughs) And I'm glad to finally, finally seen Olivia Jean. There you go. I have three questions about the Vegas show real quick. Okay. Was same boy the whole band or was that just him alone on the guitar? Started him alone on the guitar and the rest of the band came in toward the last verse okay my second question did you try for the vegas poster jackpot thing that they were doing with the different playing card posters i did not okay i'm not much of a poster person i did buy the bakersfield one because it was absolutely stunning it was these antique locks and keys Mm -hmm. so i did buy the one from bakersfield i will get that framed and hung the problem is the merchandise line is so long and so poorly managed my husband spent nearly one hour in line to buy my poster in bakersfield wow so I don't have that kind of patience. (laughs) And thirdly, you had early entry into the second night, 
My biggest concern if of ever getting early entry is how on earth do you withstand not peeing? Like, I need to go to the bathroom as soon as I get to the show, 15 minutes into the show, 20 minutes after that. Like, I feel like I have to pee so much at a concert when it's so important that I do not move my spot. How uh-huh. on earth do you hold your spot? All right. So, well, you just know. Well, I mean, it's it's been harder for me at shows where I've actually gotten in line at four in the morning. And there's yeah. nowhere reasonable to pee. Yeah. Early entry is fabulous because you walk right up 10 minutes before the show and you waltz in and you say, I'm going to be up here for four hours. I can I can live with it. Right. Okay. Depends. I suppose it depends on your bladder constitution. Mm. Seriously. Um, <laughs> we don't but, we don't need to go into specifics here. I just. Yeah, we don't need to get that. We yeah. don't need to get all scientific. But but no, how do I do? I mean, I just I watch the amount of water I drink through the day. Mm-hmm. I actually <laughs> drank very little throughout the day yeah. because now that I'm older, I have to pee more you know hey sure. I'm in my 40s but got in the early entry line I met up with a friend from the thinking persons group that I invited to be my plus one got in line around 5 30 they let us in at 10 to 7 got our spots right at the front of the stage we had about 10 minutes before the mad rush came in so she ran and got her poster I ran over to the bar and got a couple of bottles of water so I'd have them for the show and then we just stayed in our spot and that was it James if I may uh, swimsuit is good, <laughs> um, might be a good no 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 well well, I did hear somebody pee your pants the night before. I guess the floor was particularly rowdy. There was a crowd surfer during Icky Thump, and at one point, I saw the whole audience part, and the guy fell on the ground. Oh no! And then I heard somebody let their bladder go right in the middle of the floor. Oh dear! Oh jeez! So, wow. so yeah, Vegas crowds can be a little iffy. Oof. You never know what you're going to get. But once you get up to the front, nothing that's happening behind you is of any consequence. It's all right there in your face. Yeah. All of this conversation of uh, urine has been a strange way to end this interview, Melinda, but we have I know, to- <laughs> and we talked about poop, too. Oh, my gosh. I just met you guys. What the heck? <laughs> but we want to thank you again for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we hope to have you back again. That would be lovely. We just talk about whatever, you know? If you ever do a super nostalgia show i'm one of the i'm a good one for that one can i take can i tell you this every show is a super <laughs> n- nostalgia show <laughs> if it's a white stripes nostalgia show i'm your girl there you if go. it's the dead weather call somebody else okay <laughs> okay do fair enough we're gonna head back to the show now James, that has been a lovely time at the ball game. Thank you again to Melinda for joining us and talking about that show. And that's one of the craziest experiences in my third man fandom. I am extraordinarily jealous. And I've been considering going to Tulsa, Oklahoma and driving the 19 hours it takes to get there to see Jack White play baseball in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Whoa, when is he doing that? September 17th. So I will abandon... My wife, my dog, and my family, and drive to the good, good city of Tulsa, Oklahoma, to see a baseball game and possibly meet my hero. (laughs) Well, James, really, the main thing I want to get across is this tour is... I'm really happy that Third Man is out there and a presence, and it's been... 
about 10 years since the great expansion, let's call it, of Third Man Records. Mm. And I'm happy to see that there's still a lot of activity. Yeah, it's exciting that we're out of the we're out of the Jack drought and we're into a bit of a Jack flash flood. <laughs> and I'm a little worried about my house uh, being swept away by all of this Third Man stuff that's now coming in side of it. I think we're going to get into a few shout outs here. Some people who have been listening and tweeting about the show, talking about the show. I think today, why don't we do an all Twitter edition? Sure. We would also like to thank Little Steven's Underground Garage for tweeting about our podcast. James, I think that makes us official members of the E Street Band. Yeah, we're the B team of the E Street Band now. We're the B Street Band. Yeah. Or would that be the F Stream Band? I think we're the F, we're the F Troop Band. Yeah, we're the A team. We're the A <laughs> the X-Men. <laughs> We're very thankful yeah. for uh, Little Steven's appreciation of our interview with Co. I'm sure it had mostly to do with the fact that Co. was on and did like amazingly great and yes. not so much our oeuvre. Yeah, not our oeuvre. We had some people asking about this on Facebook and Twitter, but yes, Co. will be back. We have scheduled the follow-up interview, and so we are going to do that, and she will be back on a uh, on a future date. We've also got a lot of other really exciting interviews um, we do. coming up uh, in this uh, in this season, so we think you're going to enjoy those very much. Anyway, back to the shout-outs here. People are talking about the show. We have Gary Steck, so thank you, Gary. We have Richard Weddle Jr., Thank you, Richard Weddle Jr. We have Jen Ludolph. Thank you, Jen. We have In It to Spin It. Mm. I like that. We have Real David A. Ahern. We have the fake David A. Yeah, well, David David gave us a really cool uh, shout-out. We have Ted Sons. We have Tessie Clune. We have Lynn Dukes, Matthew Herbster. So many. Uh, Sarah Martinez. Thank you all so much for tweeting about the show, talking about us online. That really helps us a lot. Gets the name out there. Gets the show out there. And James, if I'm not mistaken, we also have some regulars for the program. Uh, We have our day-in, day-out regulars that we like to shout out. We have the Brett Three Killed Magarski. There's no right opinion for you here. Go away. Brian, Walter, be nicer to me. Brendan and Smith. Yvette Wilkin on Sunshine. Wilkins, S.A. Franco. What even does even mean? Even. David Poe. We've got Eric Andrew Dodson over here. It's LOL 2.0. We've got Amy Hart, the heart of the operation. The Red Red Rain Prosper. Callie Durga, our third person in spirit. Every week we've got Eileen Corsano. I see you over there. Andre Ice Cold Lime Man. My oh me, it's me oh my. Jeremy Riles finally keeping us on those rails because we've been off them for so very long. Yeah, this episode Kate included. McCoy, <laughs> Kate McCoy, the bones of the operation. Ben, the beer man blues Carnes. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you folks oh if you'd like to interact with us online and become one of our regulars uh, that we shout out on the show you can do so at facebook.com slash third men on twitter at third mencast you can check out tumblr thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com you can go to our wordpress page that's where we uh, we actually host the show there as well but um we also put up some uh show notes and things uh the third men wordpress.com you can send us an email thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com you can find us on pippa pippa is where we truly host the show pippa did so much for us pippa got us onto spotify pippa has allowed us to see the light with way more detail 
uh, analytics of who is actually listening to the show, how many people are listening to the show, all of that stuff. Pippa's support team is just on there almost 24-7. If you are mm. thinking about starting a podcast... Then pip on down to Pippa. Yeah, you could pip... Yeah. You could... You could. You should try Pippa. <laughs> Maybe. You should pip on down to Pippa. Yeah, you could do that. Uh, but anyway, they're wonderful, so thank you to Pippa. And then you could search us on YouTube, where James does some funny animations and things. And please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And tell a friend about the show. We really need you, the listener, to help us continue to find that audience get out there knock on some doors <laughs> ring some doorbells ring some doorbells uh, maybe leave some of the podcasts in hotel nightstands do that for other people to find anyway thank you to people who have already done that that is always appreciated and you're great and please continue to be great thank you uh if you have any listener questions feel free to ask it we'll answer it in a listener questions episode we'd also like to thank sam kubert and tom valenti for the help with our theme song we're the third man as well as susanna roundtree for the delightful intros and outros of our program and uh, paul i think that'll do it for this week as always i will be looking for a home in a bus that can't stop which i really i really need to pee and this bus is going 50 miles an hour and it won't stop or else i'll explode uh it's bad yeah well how about this i am looking for a home for you in tulsa oh thank you <laughs> i need one uh after my wife will leave me for driving 19 hours to go see it <laughs> see you next time everybody bye for more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Turned out pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> Tip of the nip. Remember that classic scene in Taxi Driver where Latka is stabbed to death in an alley? That's my first that joke. Yeah. <laughs> this week has been all Jack all week with a few days of work peppered in. <laughs> Now I'm gonna think of a pun. Well, it's been almost two years, and we still haven't gotten it quite right. No, I, and 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 to be honest, James, I don't know what we're doing. And what's the deal with airplane food? <laughs> the food you feed airplanes to make them. <laughs> Polygamy is interesting. James, you look like you look like I'm communicating with you on Isla Sorna right now. Back hair. Back hair? Oh. Uh. I spent that whole time looking up puns and things for that. <laughs> For this, for the perfect joke, and or I could have used rhyme.com's words and phrases that almost rhyme. I went to this website looking for a rhyme for, for third, and there's a section on that page that says things that almost rhyme with third.
which is like a real it's a swing and a miss. Like Bernard well, is James. on there. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we haven't let all the rust set in. Um. All rust the mistakes or... I've made. <laughs> Give her the hot dog. She, she wants the hot dog. <laughs> Excuse me, I gotta give the dog some hot dog. I'm sorry. So yeah. she, so she you were flat tiring her her heels on the way to the merch table yeah. <laughs> to pound a Marlboro or whatever. No, she was irritated that I inter- interrupted her reverie during the day because <laughs> she likes her daytime time sleepies. James is one of those lazy millennials who's killing coffee and gets up at noon, right, James? <laughs> millennials, yeah, yeah, huh? <laughs> We've done worse. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show.